Hi, I'm Alyssa Milano, and this is Sorry Not Sorry. Our guests today are Ben Rellis, Head of Innovation for YouTube Originals, and Tess Finkel, Founder of Metro Public Relations. Together they lead Good to Vote, a nonpartisan voter registration and engagement initiative. Most people, when they think about this election, this political season, what's happened in this country the past few months, so much is going on and so many people are engaged. You would think that registration would be higher than it ever has been before, but registration, as a matter of fact, is down in this country. Celebrities like LeBron James and Lady Gaga are pushing to make sure voter turnout is as high as possible. Samuel L. Jackson teaching people to swear in, what is it, a dozen languages or something is hilarious. Yeah. All right, Joe, you showed up and showed out for our voter action goal. Now, time for me to hold up my end of that bargain. Let's do some cussing. Hi, I'm Ben Rellis. I started the Good to Vote campaign as a way to increase voter registration. I am Tess Finkel, the founder of Metro PR, and I finally want to put to rest the very antiquated celebrity black and white PSA once and for all. Sorry, sorry not, not sorry. sorry. First of all, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Ben, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for YouTube. Sure. My name is Ben Rellis. I am the head of innovation for YouTube Originals. And yeah, we work on original programming meant to showcase the best of YouTube. Head of innovation. That's quite a title. What does that title mean for you? I think it's about helping our YouTube creators and people we work with figure out how to do things on YouTube that couldn't be done anywhere else. So that could range from live streams, interactive programming, things that we can do with a community of fans that aren't possible on television. My kids, they don't watch TV. They just watch YouTube. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Chad Wild Clay and the Spy Ninjas. It's like this incredible phenomenon. And my husband and I often joke about how if you want a YouTube channel, you just have to yell everything you say. Because <laughs> it's like, hey, everybody, if you like this, smash this like button. We always joke about it. But YouTube is streaming every waking moment my kids are <laughs> Thank away. you. Well, Likewise, no. in my house, all three of my kids are on YouTube constantly. And they do talk in the mirror about their fake subscribers and fake fans. And they definitely aspire to that. My daughter does the, she pretends to do the unwrapping videos when you unpack the toys. She's six and it's super cute. So tell me then, how did Good to Vote come about? One day you're sitting at work at YouTube and you just said, I need to get people voting. How did it happen? Yeah, something like that. Basically this summer, you're probably aware voter registration was way down because of COVID. People weren't registering at the DMV and concerts and place where you normally sign up. So I started feeling like there's got to be a way for creative people and the internet to come together and close the gap. And the idea I had was essentially to have music artists, actors, influencers say to their fans, let's set a registration target. And if we hit this target, 
then I'm going to do something great for you guys. And that could be a band reuniting. It could be somebody giving away an old audition tape, getting a tattoo. But that was the core idea was gamify it a little bit. Don't just say, hey, it's so important to vote, go vote, but actually make it fun for the fans to participate so that one, they would all register. And two, then there'd be this really cool content that comes out of it. And so that was the core idea. And I took that to Andy Bernstein, the managing director of headcount.org. He loved the idea. He had seen influencers and YouTube creators really move the needle. And so he was like, let's do it. And we had our first one up within a few days. It's so smart because not only is there incentive, but it's also, like you said, gamifying it, but also doing it specifically to a target audience that is a specific demographic, right? And that's for the 20 years that I've been politically active. The biggest thing is always like, how can we figure out new ways to get more young people registered to vote? And this just seems like such a perfect way because when something goes viral, you're going to wind up just registering more people. Yeah. And Beth and I have spoken about this a lot. Part of what worked about it was it's not a compilation of lots of different celebrities in one mashup. It was talent, whether it was influencers or traditional talent, whatever you want to call it, people who are not necessarily just on the internet, And they were taking it straight to their fans. So just to give you an example for someone listening who doesn't know how it works, Samuel L. Jackson would say to his fans directly, if 2,500 of you guys go register to vote or verify your registration, I'm going to teach you to curse in 15 languages. And so then he ended up getting like 9,000 people to do it. And it was something that his fans liked. And then somebody else could do something that their fans liked. But the people who were watching the video knew it was coming directly from the people who actually made the pledge to do something. So they're creating basically their own campaign within the campaign. Correct. Yeah. Which is so great. I get brought a lot of these campaigns that are designed and not really about the individual celebrity or influencer. So this was such a great way to incentivize by allowing it to be as personal and true to who that talent is as possible. Right. The idea was essentially, we don't need to come up with the thing for whoever is going to be involved. It can be a low effort activation for them. They could say, I'm going to put out an old headshot, or they could do something really big. The Mean Girls cast did a whole reunion when their fans came together and registered to vote. Vote on November 3rd, not October 3rd. Vote! That would be so fetched. So that was one piece of it, which was, let's set a goal. If you hit it, then we're going to you know, have this big payoff. Then we really hit our stride when I connected with Tess over at Metro because I had seen that they were working with David Dobrik, who's one of the biggest stars on the planet, and they were doing some great stuff with him. So I emailed her and was like, can we combine forces here knowing that she had similar instincts about how to use social media, the internet, to do something that's more exciting than a traditional TV spot. And Tess, tell me about your involvement. How did you get involved? Yeah, so I'm a college dropout. I came to LA at a really young age. I was a teenager when I started my career in media relations. And I just saw at a really young age the impact and influence that this industry has. At the top of the year, my business partner and I wanted to take inventory of our roster and figure out how to use our clients in meaningful ways around the election. So David was one who were like, we have to do something with him. And so we really tailored different ideas that would make sense for his voice, his brand, where his audience wouldn't 
question it, kind of what you were saying. We didn't want to bring him something that was like a one-size-fits-all baked idea. We really wanted to tailor it to him. So he was one of many clients that we looked at. We're like, how are we going to design something that's going to be impactful, that's in their voice, that we know is going to work? And what I love about David is he's a dreamer. So the fact that he can't even vote himself, I really liked the idea of him getting his fans to vote for him because he can't. We wanted to quickly stop by and say thank you to everyone that registered to vote. Over 120,000 people. Wow. Um, that, that's, that's dope. And like, I know some of you guys just did it because you needed a ride to school and you needed a new car. But um, it is a really cool thing that you did. And you're one step closer to voting. And, and honestly, coming from a person that can't vote, it would mean the world to me if you did go out and vote. And that message really did resonate. So we ended up doing a little test run with him maybe a month or so before Ben and I collided. And we're like, oh, we're like-minded. Let's do something. And the test run we did with David was really just an Instagram story with a swipe up. And we were partnered with Headcount. And just that one Instagram story, the engagement on that was pretty remarkable. We knew we had to do more with him. And David was totally open to it and definitely wanted to be involved, which we really appreciate. And we try to, at Metro, work with people that are down to just be super mindful about their access and their reach and their influence and to use that in ways that are really important. Definitely appreciative to David for that. And so when Ben and I crossed paths, my team was already thinking about the Tesla giveaway with David because he had done one before, but he wanted to do it bigger and better. And when I got in touch with Ben, I was like, do you want to be a part of this? I think we could break a record here. And Ben and I teamed up. I have to say, I love this about Ben where you could bring him an idea and he just is so fast to say yes or no in some instances but he doesn't get lost in the weeds on it. So he was really fast to jump on it, which I really think this whole campaign trail needed. Like it needed people that were incentivized like Ben and myself to like take part in it and not be slow. We just moved And also quickly. just to think outside of the box, because if there was ever a year that we had to really think outside of the box, it was this year when we had so many of our avenues in which to get people registered taken from us because of COVID. So I think that was important. Will you just give my listeners an overview of what Metro does? Yeah, sure. So Metro does a lot of things. I would say the through line in our business is we work with a lot of entertainment companies. We work with major social media platforms. My company was born during the kind of digital renaissance. We came up when all these platforms started to emerge. So we know them really well. So we work with major studios, various celebrities, content creators, brands, and we really work on helping them connect with their audience and really build communities, tap into them, use them effectively, efficiently. We work with people that want to reshape their narrative and kind of tie it into something that's maybe bigger than them that has a really positive message. We do anything from VidCon to RuPaul's, DragCon, World of Wonder. We represent various movie studios and production companies and creators and just really come up with ways for them to engage with mainstream media and audiences that ultimately make them successful. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. 
With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm wondering if something like this could work even if the person wasn't an influencer or a celebrity where people are getting other people in their community out to register, where it becomes super micro and personal. Yeah, we talked about that a lot. And the initial creative, we thought, what if we had Frank in Wisconsin says, if 25 of you guys register to vote. I'm going to mow everybody's lawn on the block or Or get my kid a puppy or something. Totally. Exactly. So I think we could still get there. We launched the first one in mid-August with Michael Stevens, who's the biggest education creator on YouTube. And that one registered 2000 people to vote. And from there, it was just trying to make very quick decisions on, okay, the election is three months away, let's try to figure out how we can first line up enough people to build some momentum on this. And Tess alluded to the David Dobrik one just to really drive home how successful that was. He gave away five Teslas to people who either verified their registration or registered to vote. Blaney. Oh my God, oh my God, no way. You won the Tesla. No. Yeah. This is a joke. Not a joke. The first day, first 24 hours, 100,000 people registered to vote, which was just completely unprecedented. And an additional 300,000 who verified the registration. That was in mid-October. We didn't really have time to build on that in terms of other activations that were of that scale. But yeah, the headcount, which is an organization which has been registering voters since 2004, hit a million this year, and 125,000 of those million came from that one David Dobrik campaign. So yeah, we feel like on the one hand, they're going to scale this to individuals and communities and moms and dads and everything else. And we also feel like there's a way to really build on the success of something as big as the David Dobrik one. I don't think it's like an either or thing. I think it's a both and thing. I really think that that could work even within families, (laughs) you know, like... Yes, definitely. We think it can be both. I also think that there are applications of this gamification of civic action that go beyond registering to vote. And we can talk about it more specifically. But, you know, we did this around a campaign to request mail-in ballots in Georgia for the primaries. And there's potential to apply some of these lessons to how do we get people to take the vaccine? How can we think about ways to combat poverty? How are there ways to address education issues? I really like this general space of how can you look at these areas of impact and figure out ways to also make it entertaining and fun for people to participate. I love it. You mentioned David Dobrik and you mentioned Samuel L. Jackson. Can you tell us about any of your other favorite Good to Vote campaigns that you've had? There's some that are personal favorites of mine because the people were so excited about it. Like we had Florence Pugh do one where she did a cooking lesson and she got 1,700 people to register to vote. 
And some of it was just because her videos were so great along the way. So I love that one. Holy jammy jammy tots. Guys, 1,700 of you, beautiful, responsible beings, took voter action on my headcount link. You don't even know I'm gonna do a little dance that made me so happy. Whew. Okay, I've got another idea. I'm gonna give you another deal. The other deal is, well, the first deal was, I need 500 of you to register to vote or to check in on your registration status. Yep, we've got that, fantastic. The next deal is, if I can get up to 2,500, I'm gonna do something else. It may be making ice cream on Monday. It may be making pizza on Tuesday. I don't know yet, I haven't made up my mind, but I'm gonna go get the ingredients tomorrow because I have faith in you. We did a several reunions, a reunion of the Glow cast, a reunion of the Maze Runner cast, and a reunion of Laguna Beach. Those were all fun. And then some were really creative. We did have a YouTube creator who adopted a cat, and then she got 900 people to register to vote because they wanted her to adopt a cat. And we had- Everybody loves cats. Everybody loves cats. <laughs> and the ones that I think were particularly fun for me- very often were the ones where I had known the YouTube creators for years. And so, you know, it gave us a chance to collaborate on something that wasn't just a typical video. I mean, we have lots of shows that do views and watch time and all these metrics, but when it translated to voters actually registering, that felt like a, a different kind of success. So what has been the impact? So we registered 165,000 people. We also did a campaign with David Dobrik and Leonardo DiCaprio, partnered with Outvote. And that one resulted in 150,000 text messages going from friends to friends, encouraging them to vote, where one person who sent a text message, won a trip to Los Angeles to hang out with Leonardo DiCaprio and David Dobrik. I don't know if, Tess, you have anything to add to that one, because that definitely was the result of you guys working with David on a dream project for him. That was a journey, but it was really nice to see it come together. And, and we put maybe the biggest heartthrob of my generation with the biggest heartthrob of the generation right after me, Gen Z. It kind of was set up to be successful, which is cool. So let me ask you this, like going into the impact, not only just numbers, but why do you think that it matters that more people vote? I have so many answers to that, but I think the one that stands out the most is what I learned by talking to a lot of people that were new voters, so Gen Z. I try not to say young people because it makes me sound old, but when I talked to people that were of the age where they could register, there was the sentiment of my vote doesn't even matter. It's rigged. My voice doesn't count. And I think that was the most disheartening thing to hear and also the biggest motivator to be a part of running campaigns like this, because everyone's voice does count. Everyone does have a right to vote. And not to say that politics isn't without its shadiness. And the system definitely has a lot of kinks that still need to be worked out. Props to Stacey Abrams for really taking that head on and probably being one of the most impactful people in the last few years. But I just didn't want to have so many people feel like their voice doesn't count when it does. I kind of wanted a renewed sense of belief in democracy. And I felt like the best way to do it was to just 
present ways to get them excited through gamification, through the stuff that Ben and I did together and eliminate reasons not to at least register and give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah. And Ben? Yeah, I think what Tess said, it's a critical part of the democratic process. Ultimately, you're electing the people that are going to represent the things that you care about and that you believe in. And actually, the first launch video we did with Michael, I thought he worded it really well. Hey, Vsauce, Michael here. Abraham Lincoln famously said that America is a country governed by, of, and for the people. But is it? Many of you watching this are those people. But if you are eligible to vote in the United States and don't vote or serve on a jury every chance you get, is America really by, of, and for you? But essentially that you can't really complain about things if you're not taking part in the process. That the way to actually impact change is to elect the people that you believe will represent the ideas that you care about. And ultimately, the idea for us was not only would we do these fun activations where there's a big payoff, but we did want the people who participated to also, in their videos, ideally talk about why voting is important to them. And we saw that in almost all of the videos. It just happened to be combined with something that was really fun on the tail end. So yeah, there was a lot of thought around, oh, how do we make this so that it also gives people a way to talk about why voting is important to them and combine it with something that's exciting as well. It's definitely a conversation starter, and that is so important. The thing that gets me so enraged and perplexed and confused and angry, and I just wish it didn't take so much work to get people engaged. And I don't know how that happened other than to think about the de-education of civics and civic responsibility to our country and what true patriotism means. But also voter suppression has definitely played a big part in the narrative of that people feel like their votes and their voices don't count. Yeah, I will say, obviously, in terms of the record voting this year, participation is higher than it's ever been. And I don't remember a time when there was ever so much passion and enthusiasm about it. And also from the talent that we worked with, where people were posting five, six, seven times. I know you post all the time, Alyssa. And to see that, that people who don't need to do this, like Demi Lovato must have, I don't know what, 100 million followers. And she's posting on Twitter about like elections in Idaho and deadlines and all of this like really specific stuff that can only come from a place of really wanting to encourage fans to participate. So yeah, both voters, but also I just thought this election, this idea that people can use their voice to make a difference was at levels that I had never seen before. And I really admire it whenever somebody has a platform and chooses to use that to try to make their voice heard on something beyond their own entertainment project. Let's talk about this year's election. Obviously, it was very contentious. It still is. It was deeply partisan and remains so now that a new administration is in power in Washington. Do you think that voter engagement increases or decreases during division? If I were to go off of what I saw firsthand over the course of the last 12 months, I would say increases 
because what you were saying, a lot of people just feel enraged. And I think having a pandemic only fuels that because you have a lot of people feeling like more should be happening. And I think when people feel powerless and you're around a lot of people that share that feeling with you, there's this kind of common ground of what can we do about it? So coming in with campaigns like this, I think we're preaching to an audience that's primed to do something because they just don't want to feel powerless anymore. And when we look at voter registration efforts, I feel like so many people think of them as partisan efforts, which I, I think there there's nothing less partisan than getting people registered to vote. And why is it so important for you to be nonpartisan in this divided time? We chose to be nonpartisan with this campaign, mostly, as I was talking about before, anybody could participate. And in our mind, there was a world where it's everybody from race car drivers to athletes. And we didn't want to think of this as something that would be a situation where we're picking and choosing who's involved. We're most excited when we're figuring out ways to get people engaged regardless of affiliation. I think this might be my favorite question for the two of you. No pressure. But what was it that engaging voters taught you about the country, about America? This whole process, honestly, was both rewarding and hideous at the same time. And Ben, sorry if I promised Ben I wouldn't alienate anyone during this, but I would say that I share your frustration when it comes to civic engagement in general, Alyssa, especially within the entertainment industry. I look at so many of my peers that have <laughs> access, you know, and I'm just like, you have the ears of the most influential people in this whole world. What are you doing? Why are you sleeping on this? And if not now, then when are you ever yes. going to? engage, right? I'm so like if, sick of people playing it safe, myself included right now with my answer, but I'm, I'm coming <laughs> out a little bit. I just feel like watching people play it safe is just so frustrating because I'm like, it's just not the time. Come out and say something. It doesn't even have to be skewing left, right, up, down, whatever. Just say something. Like you're a person. Let's not forget that. You're a person. You're a citizen of this country. You have to do something. So for me, I think I realized that when the gatekeepers of our industry are motivated that you really can see a measurable impact. I'm really not your kind of quintessential PR type, but I'm so drawn to the ability to share messages through people like yourself and through other celebrities and influencers and brands that reach the masses because I just want everyone to feel better ultimately. And that's very doable. It just takes all of us really mindfully thinking about this probably every day and like checking yourself, whether it's an election year or not, like, am I doing the most with my access? Am I doing the most with the position I'm in? And this just reminded me that it really does work when people are awake. And am I being brave enough? I've been doing this for such a long time. I hope, and if either one of you ever have any young influencers or actors that you want me to talk about living a life of activism and still having an audience and still being able to work, because I think that's ultimately what the fear is. People are so afraid that they're going to lose half their audience or they're going to lose money or deals. In this case, it's a lot of times very immediate, right? You put something out and you can see your follower count go up or down as a result. I should mention, by the way, David Dobrik, I think, ended up with more followers and he was able to really build on what he did. But, you know, it is true. Every post you put out, there's this like immediate, what did the fan base think about it? I think you're always going to be rewarded for being true to yourself. And I think that 
your followers know the authenticity and if what you are saying is organic. If you just continue to promote yourself in the middle of a pandemic when there is so much chaos, people look at that as being sketchy. And if you guys could have seen me the day that The Rock came out and endorsed Biden, I was the happiest person ever because I felt like, here's a guy who is out of politics, who is removed from political activism and that kind of work. He's a great guy. I consider him more of a humanitarian. And to see him take a stance and to take this position of, you know what, I got to do this and please respect me for it. But this is how I feel right now. Ah, I was so excited. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a moment that really captures that is if anyone saw the Taylor Swift Miss Americana documentary. It shows her the first time she uses her social media to do something political. And it it films the whole process and really embodies that vulnerability that goes with it. And so the bigger you are, the scarier I think it is. And I want to be honest, there were some people that did posts for us that lost followers, but their sentiment was, I didn't really need them anyway, if they're not okay with me talking about nonpartisan voter registration. If just the word vote is so triggering to them that they feel the need to unfollow me, I'm probably going to be okay without them. Yeah, I will say not to bring this all back to good to vote. (laughs) But but, no, the response was so great because it wasn't just, hey, guys, here I am to tell you what you need to do. Most of the comments were about, we need to make this happen. We need to go see the old Full House tapes that John Stamos is going to release. I got to see Josh Gad, you know, read the Avengers in the voice of Olaf. So the other day, I promised all of you that if 1,500 of you either registered to vote or verified your voter registration, I would recap Avengers Endgame as Olaf. Well, we surpassed that number in less than 24 hours, so it's time for me to hold up my side of the bargain. And remember, if another 1,500 of you register or verify your registration, I will recap 2020 as Olaf. Because it wasn't just, hey, guys, vote like your life depends on it. It was also, here's this fun thing I'm giving back to you. We had good reception from the press, good reception from fans, and most talent wanted to come back and do it again. And I should give a lot of credit to Robert Smigel. I don't know if you saw his Night of Too Many Stars, which he did for several years to raise money for autism, but he took a, a similar approach. I helped him a little bit with the YouTube strategy, which was really just like what thumbnail he should use. But the Night of Too Many Stars approach was essentially raising money for autism by having big comedians promise to do this fun stuff if people donated money. So Amy Poehler and Tina Fey to the person who bid the most money would go run around New York with them and do this fun thing. Or I was in the audience and Sting would sing Roxanne, but he would put in somebody else's name who donated the most money. So not only did they raise all this money, but it was just like the event was hilarious. And so he was one of the first people I called when I had this good to vote idea. And I was like, a lot of this is based on what you did with the Night of Too Many Stars fundraiser for autism. And so he helped me kind of work through, okay, here's how you can approach talent because ultimately for them, they want to make sure they do something that lands that people like. And he did really sort of drive some of the early thinking around this. There's just interesting ways to get people to do something really meaningful that can also be really fun for the viewer on the other side. And especially right now when we're have very 
little stimulation on the outside yeah. world. Right. Yeah. Like I go outside in my backyard even. I'm like, oh, look at the trees because it just feels it feels like Groundhog Day. It feels actually like postpartum. Postpartum anxiety felt a lot like being in quarantine where you're cut off from the rest of the world and you're so focused on what's right in front of you, which isn't necessarily a horrible thing. It's just a different thing than I think people in my industry are, are used to feeling. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The hard work is just beginning, right? We have this new administration. We are less than two years away from the next national election. So no rest for any of us. But what are your plans for 2022 with Good to Vote? Yeah, so we have a team in place. The person who I started with is someone named Noah Pollack. And so myself, Noah, two people, Jessica and Hallie, it's really like the four of us starting to plan, what does this look like for midterms? And ultimately, I think the thing that was most helpful for us is that we created a lot of great partnerships along the way. So we're trying to think about how we can build for good to vote for the midterms and continue to work with some of the other groups. So just as examples, we're working closely, well, certainly with Headcount, definitely with Metro PR. We started to work with the community app so that you can text fans in specific regions. So we think that could be really effective. We worked with someone named Elsa Collins. And so we're going to continue to work with her on thinking about how we can approach different demographics. So at this stage, we definitely want to give Good to Vote another run for 2022. And I think the big three things we think we can do differently are, one, we learned a lot about what works with talent, what types of activations. Two, we only did one contest, the David Dobrik one that we partnered with Metro on. And so we think there's more we can do in that space. And then three, yeah, there's a feeling that even though we had a lot of success with voter registration, there's other ways we can apply this, making a voting plan, finding your polling location, requesting mail-in ballots, that this sort of gamification of engagement is a cool way to keep people involved and continue to build on what we did in 2020. How can my listeners support your work? I have an answer for that. For all of the industry people that are listening, that are gatekeepers, if Ben and I hit you up, please engage with us because we're coming to you with something very important and we promise it will be good. I know that's a very specific part of the audience that's listening, but a very important one. I just wish I could unlock every single person in this industry to come to Ben and me so we can come up with something for each person. I feel your pain. I don't think this is on <laughs> brand for sorry, not sorry, but my approach with a lot of initially was like, 
sorry, I don't know if this is going to work, if you can do it, but if you do it, that'd be amazing. But sorry if it doesn't work. But now we really feel like we know it works. Like the first one, when I was getting people to do it, I didn't know what the response would be. And I went to a lot of friends and people that I knew. Now I'm really confident that the fan response is great. And most importantly, it actually really drives results to get thousands of people sometimes to take action is really hard to do if you're not figuring out some way to make it fun for them. I should also give a shout out to Christine Trapiccio. I don't know if you know who that is, but early on, we did hit a wall where we were like, we need to get people on board. And she was the one who believed in the idea and basically got Samuel L. Jackson, Emma Roberts, Tina Fey, like people that she knew on board. All right, pass this on. Make sure you get other people to register to vote and make sure you go out and vote too. You plus three. And as you know, with these kind of things, a lot of times you just need those like first few people to show that it works for other people to say, oh, okay, yeah, if Tina Fey had success with this, I'm in. So yeah, I feel like now we have some really great examples. And so listeners, if you go to Good to Vote, Dot com. We do have all the examples there. And yeah, we're looking to partner up with Headcount and do this again for midterm. Yeah, good. I was going to say, like we said earlier, too, you don't need to be a famous person to take action. So you could see what we're doing if you see your favorite influencer, celebrity, whatever. But use that as inspiration if you're someone who's maybe not a celebrity, but you actually have all the power, to be honest. So I just want to see everyone follow suit and start their own activations in their communities, in their schools, wherever they may be. It's such a great opportunity for people to use their own platforms that they have because everyone has a platform now. It's not just celebrities and influencers or people that are lucky enough to get that opportunity. It is everybody. So to be able to capitalize on what your community looks like and how you can make a difference in a small way. All of those little things make up the big things. Pinches make pounds. You were asking before <laughs> about what we learned. I'm curious what you felt like you learned in the 2020 election cycle about voters, about America. I feel like when people have more at stake personally, that's really important. And I think that we have to stop politicizing these really human issues and keep them on a level where people can see the impact of good legislation versus a bad piece of legislation and keep it on this real human level so that people understand what's at stake. For me, I have a very hard time when people like in the last four years, have said something like, this is a constitutional crisis or our democracy is in jeopardy because that could all be true. But really, the family of four in the Midwest or in the South, they don't have the luxury of worrying about democracy or a corrupt government because they're trying to get food on the table for their kids. And they're working three jobs and they're exhausted and they're still not making a living wage. And especially now with the potential of people being evicted and so much is at stake with the pandemic. So I get just super frustrated every single election cycle that all of the human issues get really politicized. It's been happening since I've been involved with politics and whether that was with John Kerry in 2004 or Barack in 2008. And it hurts us as a country. You know, I do think that when people understand 
the way in which a government impacts your daily existence, people go out to vote. They don't go out to vote to end a constitutional crisis or to fight for our democracy. Maybe some people do, but most people don't. Most people go out to vote because they want a better life and they're electing the people who they think will give that to them. It really does all boil down to a better life. It's that fundamental. It's innately in us to want that. And that's what migration is all about, is trying to give your family what you can't give them where you are. And so it's important to remember that politics is personal and really try to build not only laws around that concept, but make it just more accessible for people to educate themselves and want to be involved in the process. And we also have to look at the way we're raising our kids and really don't expect them that when they turn 18, they're really going to want to vote. We have to instill in them the importance of that at a young age. And not that this last election cycle taught me that, but having kids definitely made me aware of the fact that if I was not instilling civic responsibility with my kids and communal responsibility, they wouldn't be getting it. So finally, what gives you both hope? (sighs) Stacey Abrams, I just think seeing more women enter the Senate, enter positions of power, you know, this is where I'll say I'm very biased. I think women are natural born leaders and are meant to do this. I have a lot of thoughts on why it's taken quite a while for women to gravitate towards the top in positions of power. But the more I see women take on leadership roles, that gives me hope because I feel like the right person's doing the job. Women lead from a place of service. Exactly. Yeah. And men lead from a place of wanting power. And how about you, Ben? What gives you hope? I would say the potential. I don't want to use the word young people to make me sound (laughs) old, but, uh, you know, The creativity of people, let's just say, who grew up using the internet, that there is just a remarkable amount that can be done combining passion and that kind of creativity. And we see it on YouTube all the time. You might be aware of some of these examples. There's a creator, Mr. Beast, who raised over $20 million to plant trees last year, just using a really cool idea for every dollar donated, we're going to plant another tree combined with the fact that he has 50 million followers. But we see that kind of stuff all the time. And that passion, not just from influencers, although there's a laundry list of examples, and I'm not sure everybody knows of how they use their platforms, but also college students. And I have two kids in middle school. And just thinking about how you can do so much with a creative idea combined with something that you're really passionate about, I think that there is a lot of potential and it gives me a lot of hope thinking about some of the solutions that, oh God, it sounds even older, but that generation, (laughs) it's just like, you look at these problems and my hope is that there is so much to be done finding really creative solutions on how to address them. You both give me hope. So thank you so much. And thanks for being a part of the podcast. A lot of well-known voices in the U.S. have been talking about one thing lately. The election is November 3rd. Please vote. Voting. But what impact do celebrities have? Let's take Kylie Jenner, who has close to 200 million followers on Instagram. A picture she posted in September with the question, but are you registered to vote? Led to 48,000 Instagram users checking out information on vote.org. The day before, it was less than 3,000. 
What this means is that people are listening to the influencers and entertained by influencers. They're also taking actions. Outro Ben Rellis, take three. Engaging people in the electoral process is not partisan. It is fundamentally American. When Americans are engaged in their democracy, using their voice is the most powerful tool the Constitution provides them. And that's good for all of us. Suddenly, people are more aware of problems in their communities, and we are more aware of our role in society. And with awareness comes action. Now, it's no secret that I have strong political ideology, one that is firmly on the progressive side of the spectrum. But please make no mistake, I believe with all my heart that this engagement is important for everyone, no matter what their beliefs are. Taking part in the national, state, or local dialogue is how we evolve. Being part of the conversation moves everyone who participates closer to being part of the solution. And we need so many solutions. So it is less than two years from the next national election. In 2020, more people than ever before voted. If we can keep that momentum, if we can preserve that engagement, then maybe, just maybe, we can preserve our republic. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our associate producer is Ben Jackson. Editing and engineering by Natasha Jacobs. And music by Josh Cook, Alicia Eagle, and Milo Bugliari. That's my boy. Please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review,